Chapter 19 Infrastructure and Services From my city I demand electricity, water, and sewerage. As for culture, I already have it. Carl Krauss, author from Vienna In an ideal private city world, the entire infrastructure would be provided and invoiced by private companies that is, roads, hospitals, theaters, electricity, and water supply, as well as all services that are needed for daily life, from the fire department to waste disposal to schools. The providers can rely on the fact that due to the stable legal framework of a free private city, there is a growth of solvent inhabitants, and therefore sooner or later money can be earned by offering these services. This may well become a reality once numerous free private cities have been created. Providers will then simply transfer their business model from the existing private cities to new ones. But you can't realistically expect that at the beginning. The question, therefore, is which infrastructure and which services are necessary to ensure the functioning of a free private city and to attract contract citizens. Furthermore, the question arises where these providers come from and how they may be financed. Basically, the operator has several possibilities to guarantee infrastructure and services in the city. One, he may seek to attract specialized providers where appropriate through financial guarantees or other benefits for a specified period. The longer the city exists, the easier it will be to attract the providers needed. Two, he founds his own subsidiaries, which take over these tasks and may later be sold off to specialized providers or interested contract citizens. 3. He negotiates with public and private providers in the host country about the sharing of their infrastructure and services in exchange for payment. In practice, it is likely that all three methods will be combined. Apart from the fulfillment of the security-related services under the citizen's contract, one of the operator's main services is to guarantee residents a useful infrastructure and supply right from the start, even if he does not provide it himself. Otherwise, his product will not be attractive. Based on the assumption that the founding of a free private city with its corresponding legal and social order on undeveloped and uninhabited land is much easier than the transformation of an already existing city, only the former will be considered in the following. Furthermore, it is assumed that funding is limited and that the city must therefore grow more or less organically. There are cities that have emerged from the drawing board after government agencies or private real estate developers have made countless billions of startup capital available. If there is access to funds that allow such a city to be planned from the outset, all the better. Of course, the founder of a free private city will not be able to rely on the off chance of such opportunities emerging. The Multi-Stage System the development of the infrastructure and the corresponding range of services should be designed in several stages. How quickly it will be possible to switch from one stage to the next depends, of course, on the available resources and the number of companies willing to invest. The proximity to existing infrastructure is an advantage not to be underestimated, especially in the early days of the project. In the first stage, an initial size of up to 1,000 people can be expected. 
The infrastructure must be designed and pre-financed for this number of inhabitants. Right from the start, it makes sense to work together with experienced real estate developers who are particularly concerned with financing, the construction of residential and commercial buildings, and an initial road network. Buildings constructed in this phase, for example, for administration purposes, can first be erected in low-cost design and later replaced. The operating company will be obligated to provide police, fire department, and emergency rescue, as well as courts or arbitration panels from the beginning. In particular, fire departments and emergency rescue services can initially be outsourced against payment, provided they are available nearby. The administration building can be a multifunctional building that houses the administration, the police, courts, registers, and if necessary, the fire department and emergency services. Electricity, water, internet, and cellular coverage, groceries, and access to medical services are also required. Depending on the proximity to the existing infrastructure of the host state, the operator will try to conclude contractual arrangements with regional providers if independent solutions are unavailable or are still too expensive. In the long term, however, the city should have its own infrastructure to retain freedom of action and avoid extortion. For the second stage, which covers the period of growth up to 10,000 inhabitants, Further elements must be added, such as postal and parcel services, a sewage plant, landfill, banks, schools, kindergartens, and a hospital, restaurants, craftsmen, and other service providers, such as hairdressers and household helpers, shopping centers, retail shops, and pharmacies, as well as cultural and leisure facilities. As the city continues to grow, a third stage, with a population of up to 100,000, will allow the construction of airports, seaports, parks, a public transport system, industrial areas, and the like. Finally, in a fourth stage, which will witness growth of up to 1 million inhabitants, further districts and sub-centers will be created, universities, major airports, and so on. Master Plan or Market-Based Development how intensively should urban development be planned? Should the service of the operator be limited to providing the necessary infrastructure and service providers at the various stages, or should there be detailed development and building specifications? Any planning ultimately depends on the desired product design. Ambitious new urban projects often come with a master plan. Given that everything can be newly created, there is a great temptation to plan and then implement a perfect world. But here, too, it is impossible to foresee all eventualities and future developments. On the other hand, finding solutions on the market is a process that works through trial and error, selection, and the imitation of successful solutions. This process corrects and regulates itself and finally leads to a self-organized, stable order. Due to the large number of market participants and the countless parameters, no such order can ever be adequately planned. This approach underlies the free private city as a social order, which merely creates a legal and regulatory framework. It therefore makes sense to transfer this idea to urban planning, so-called market-based urban order. In this respect, 
the operator only sets the cornerstones within which the private planners and their customers decide on land use. Those will be guided by which use brings the greatest increase in value. Usages that fit together will also come together. This does not preclude the operator from making fundamental specifications to exclude potential permanent conflicts. For example, by not allowing heavy industries to be located directly next to residential or mixed areas. He may also designate certain zones where different rules apply and which are therefore likely to attract other land uses. The same applies to areas which are to be set aside from the outset for roads, ports, airports, or other special purposes. It is also possible that the operator or its main investor would prefer a certain appearance in the center of the city that is attractive to citizens and interested parties. All of this can be considered by making the requirements stricter in certain areas, whereas elsewhere the market-based urban order is given room to develop. Obligatory Acceptance of Services Since the guarantee of security and liberty is the main service of the operator of a free private city, the duties of police, administration of justice, the fire department, and emergency rescue are the direct responsibility of the operator and are to be anchored as obligatory services in the citizen's contract. However, the assignment of private subcontractors can also make sense in these areas. In particular, the city will then not have any pension obligations, a position that is currently pushing many municipalities to the brink of bankruptcy in times of increasing life expectancy. There is also the question of how the other necessary services are offered, such as water supply and waste collection. The complete freedom of choice for such services leads to a free rider problem. If waste collection is not an obligatory service, then some citizens will save money by disposing of their garbage on the streets at night. Now, the operator could contractually require every citizen to present a waste collection contract. In this case, however, he must also verify the continued existence of the relevant contract and also ensure that no pro forma contracts are concluded with dummy companies that, in reality, do not offer sufficient services. Citizens may also consider it a burden to arrange for their own waste collection and similar services. The bottom line is that this situation can lead the operator to include this service sector and possibly others in the mandatory package. The city of Sandy Springs, for example, followed this route. Compare Chapter 9. On the other hand, in the age of the Internet, it is not difficult to provide all contract citizens with an application that lists the corresponding service providers in the free private city with their respective service profile and costs for all areas of life. This is then also a service of the operator, but the selection is ultimately made by the citizens who are liable to provide evidence for certain areas, motor liability insurance, waste collection. The market will show which approach will ultimately prevail. Roads could be designed as toll roads so that they are self-financing and the city operator is relieved of the corresponding investments. It is also possible to hand over a whole district to real estate developers with the obligation to provide the corresponding road maintenance. It probably will not work to turn even the smallest alley into a toll road. Both providers and users would reject such a scheme as unprofitable and unbeneficial. 
The city operator will end up providing some certain infrastructure itself if he does not succeed in getting property developers to take over. The cost for this would be covered by the annual contribution or by other sources of income. If toll roads exist that have a geographical monopoly, for example the only access road in a narrow valley, there will be no getting around a certain regulation. Otherwise, the provider could blackmail the free private city with exorbitant tolls. A similar problem arises with de facto pipeline monopolies such as with the water supply. If such monopolies are unavoidable, the operator must reserve certain regulatory options for the benefit of the residents. The mere appearance of this option in the citizen's contract should be sufficient to discourage abuse. Technology helps. Will there even be enough providers for the various services required? Here, too, technical progress helps. Nowadays, it is possible to run larger businesses and even industries as an individual or small group. The reason is that there are specialized subcontractors and products for practically all areas of endeavor. Examples Deutsche Rostoff AG, which I co-founded, was able to operate a subsidiary company in Colorado that built up production of more than 10,000 barrels of oil per day from scratch with only five permanent employees. All services such as seismic, drilling, construction of the production facilities, oil collection and inspection and maintenance of the facilities were outsourced to subcontractors. My wife, as an individual, can run a company from Monaco which produces fashion, which is produced in China and Europe, which she designs herself, and which is then distributed all over the world. This is possible because there is appropriate software, because the Internet allows cheap telephone calls and video conferences with the whole world, because goods can be imported and exported without major restrictions, because there are correspondingly specialized shipping service providers who also take care of customs formalities and because payment is possible with internationally established systems such as credit cards, PayPal, and the like. All this gives the individual many more possibilities than was the case even 20 years ago. But that also means that in a free private city, resourceful and skillful residents can be relied on to set up companies that enable an optimal supply of goods and services fairly easily.